Greetings. This is a little spooky a podcast about things that spook us a little bit. Things like aliens, cryptids, conspiracies. And when you open a fresh package of crackers mm. and find a maggot inside. What? My name is Everett. I'm Colleen. Has that ever happened to you? Not recently. Uh, but when I was a child of probably... Well, you just never clean out your cabinets? <laughs> no, no, no. When I was probably like eight or nine. I used to eat those like little, like you would open up a package and there was like six cracker sandwiches with like cheese or peanut butter in between. Okay, yeah. And I was eating them and then I looked down at one and they usually have those holes in them. Yeah. And inside the hole was a maggot. No. Mm-hmm. But you opened, like those yep, are individually uh, wrapped. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't alive then, I No, assume. it was dead. But it was definitely not food. I mean, I guess it's technically food if you want it to be. But Anything's food if you're brave enough. Gross, dude. I yeah. assume you threw it away and did not continue yeah, eating, but, but you were a gro- mem- gross mem- eight-year-old boy. That I memory bo- has stuck with me throughout my life. I mean, it would. That would put me off those crackers for life. Yeah. <laughs> gross. Um, I'm a happy boy. Yeah, why is that? It may, it may surprise some of you, because I've never talked about this before on the podcast, but I am actually a huge football fan. And it was just the Super Bowl. And the Rams won, and I have actually been a Rams fan my entire life. It's true, for through, absolutely no reason. Well, my dad was, too. Again, for no reason. They've got a weird backstory where everyone around you is a Packers fan, yet somehow your dad became a Rams fan overnight for no reason. Through the days of St. Louis, of course, when I was a child, they won the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner in 1999, 2000 year. But I've gone through all the shitty shitty seasons yeah. of losing out up until about five years ago when they got good again and now i'm happy because yeah. the rams finally won when everett and i first met before we started dating we'd hang out and he'd be like it's the rams year this year and it was never the rams year until this year so get his giddy little face suck it cincinnati <laughs> so not really i do feel bad for all the people that were really happy about them making the super bowl too yeah and they're stuck in ohio yeah <laughs> <laughs> just kidding yeah. i mean we're in minnesota yeah, it's so. not any better here. well yeah I'm, I'm just in a good mood as yeah. we're recording so yay. so congrats for holding on to that for so long and i will never forget it yeah this might be the only time this happens in your lifetime Maybe. <laughs> Never know. Well, enough football talk, because I'm sure a lot of people listening don't give a shit. So yep. what are we talking about today? This this one's a bizarre story, and it's very reminiscent of our Smiling Man injured cold episode from a while back. In that an alien visits Earth with a message to help improve humanity and he makes contact with humans to spread his message. Mm-hmm. The thing is, in this story, it's not just aliens abducting or meeting with a random human. This time, the alien goes straight to the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, President Eisenhower. Oh. So, okay, there are a lot of conspiracies about the U.S. government and contact with aliens over time. I mean, we got Roswell, we got Area 51, we got the president's secret book with information about Roswell and Area 51. (laughs) (laughs) But all of these are like the product of speculation, right? There's no proof or, or like people backing up government officials backing up claims of aliens in Area 51 or Roswell. Right. I mean, like, we talked about Andrew Baziago and his claim that Obama was on a mission to Mars. Right. And, I mean, that was not only not confirmed by anyone, but the White House even came out and was like, um, that never happened. Right. But this story, this story is different. This alien named Valiant Thor... Has been verified not only by a member of the U.S. Navy's security clearance team at the time, but also the former Canadian Minister of National Defense and Dwight Eisenhower's own family members have confirmed the existence of Valiant Thor. Okay. There are pictures of this guy. 
actual confirmed pictures, many pictures. He was known to have lived in the Pentagon for three years. Does, does the Pentagon have housing? For him, yes. They gave him, <laughs> a, him. a lavish, <laughs> a, like lavishly furnished apartment in the Pentagon. I mean, ugh. the story itself, when you hear it, you're like, this is gar like there, there's no way this happened. There's no way this guy's real or really an alien. But the fact is, like, people have come out and said, yeah, yes, he, he was here. I so, talked to him. So so they're confirming his existence, yes. but not necessarily the story behind him. I, I have heard the name Valiant Thor before, and not just because of Thor from Norse mythology, but like. Yes. I mean, like, he, he's not a secret necessarily. His his mission was to get out there, get his name out there, let people know that there are aliens. And actually, I'm pretty sure I don't know if it's this season. I don't watch American Horror Story anymore, but I know he shows up as a character in at least one season of American Horror Story. Hmm. So okay. anyways, let's get into the story. This is a weird one. I just I'm going to want to know your thoughts at the end. Yeah. The story of the this first meeting between Valiant Thor and President Eisenhower is written in a foreword for the book Stranger at the Pentagon by Dr. Strangest. But there's also a version called I, the Stranger at the Pentagon, that has the same story written in Valiant Thor's own words. And Colleen purchased both books I purchased on my Kindle. Both books and I um, read them both. Okay, because I you, she was very upset when was, she bought the first version because it's not the one she wanted. I was very confused because everybody, every all the research that I did prior to reading the book said you need to read this book. It's written by Doctor Strange's. It's got the whole story, and I purchased a book but didn't realize it was called I, the Stranger at the Pentagon. And it started with Valiant Thor, and I was not prepared. And so it's just, it was a whole debacle. But you know what? I read both books cover to cover. So now I got the whole story times two from two different perspectives. All right. So let's start this story. The scene. You, you think they would name the different versions of the book something, you know, a little bit more different just to avoid I, that confusion? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what happened, but... They got your if money you want, twice. If you, it's basically the same exact story. So if you want the official story, the one that people always refer to, get the one written by Dr. Strange's called Stranger at the Pentagon. It's very fascinating. That's the one where you're going to get the most accurate information. The other one has like a big chunk of it written by Valiant Thor, but there's also like essays written by other people. That, okay. And that's why I got confused. But this is what nobody wants to hear this shit. People want to hear the story. Yeah. So I'm going to get into the story. I was just relaying a funny tale of you buying two books when you only wanted to buy one on my confused. Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me set this scene. Yes. It's 8 a.m. March 16th, 1957. A giant metal ship lands in Alexandria, Virginia in a crop field about 20 minutes away from the White House. People must have seen this happen because somehow two local policemen show up at the scene. So I'm guessing people saw some strange-ass thing land, called the cops, and then two local cops were like, I guess we'll go check this crop field out. So they show up at the scene. They have their guns drawn because they see this giant metal ship. And they're like, what the fuck is this? So they're cautiously approaching this alien craft with their guns. And, you know, like, uh, what do you expect when the doors open to an alien spacecraft? Like, what are you expecting to see? I mean, me personally, yeah. I, I guess I would expect a gray. Yeah. Just because that's the thing that everyone thinks of and it's in media. So I would just want a gray to walk out yeah right and that's what i would picture some weird non-human thing or like you hear different modes like they're peaceful aliens or are they gonna be like hell bent on destroying the human race and just shoot you as soon as the doors of the craft open like you have there's no precedent for this right so they have their guns out and like as far as they know they're about to die because they have no idea what's going to come out of this ship However, 
As the cops come through, the doors open and a dude steps out. He's just your average dude from the <laughs> 50s. Like he's six feet tall. He's tan. He's got brown hair. He's moderately good looking. The book says he's extremely good looking. And I've seen pictures and like he's not bad looking. He looks like a 1950s newscaster. Okay. I I was picturing in my mind a surfer bro. No, I'd picture like picture like any movie star or news reporter from the 1950s. Very like both blonde hair, you said? Or brown br- hair, brown like hair. light brown. Okay. Just kind of the ducktail type hair. Woo. And you know, average looking white dude face. Kind of tan. L- looks fine. Just a dude. <laughs> okay. The only thing off about him is his clothes and, well, and the fact that he's emerging from a giant saucer-like ship in the middle of a cornfield at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning. Oh, 8 a.m. Okay. He's wearing a soft-looking silver and gold tunic. The official report to the president about this suit later was, quote, physical appearance, soft silver and gold, lustrous. Unknown fabric. Six ounces total, including boots. Close fitting like a tunic. No cuffs, pockets, buttons, zippers, clips, or hooks. Indestructible. End quote. Okay. Right. It, wait, we, we've been through alien stories before where Andrew they were Cold was wearing a silver suit. Similar. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. Do you so, think it was like very form fitting? Okay. Well, here's the thing some of the sources that I read that were not the book said that it looked like it was painted on like they couldn't see like where it began and ended but to me just from the book description um, t-shirts don't have buttons cuffs zippers clips or hooks so i mean like in my mind he's just wearing like a long shiny tunic dress thing well but they they even t-shirts do i mean technically cuffs but they're like hemmed at the end yeah so i guess the, the implication is like it's not sewn either. It's just yeah. a straight substance of some kind. Right. And I mean, like people handled this material like it was tested on. Well, yeah, they weighed it. You said six yes. ounces. And th- nobody could figure out what it was made out of. And Valiant Thor in the book was like, I knew they'd be confused. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But they used acid, lasers, high velocity rifles. Nothing could, like, even come close to penetrating this outfit. It was indestructible. But that's, like, not really the point. The point is he's wearing weird shit, but he looks like a normal dude. So the police are confused when this happens. But the man telepathically communicates with him. They always do that. Yes, I know. And this is that's why this is so similar to Injured Cold that in the back of my mind, I'm like, whoa, this is very odd. The stories are... Very similar, yet take place in different areas. They take place at the same time period, but one alien is from one planet and one alien is from a different planet, and they kind of have different stories. But they're very similar. Okay. Now, the cops are confused. The man telepathically communicates them that he means no harm, and he's there to see the president of the United States of America. Colleen, if you were in this situation and someone addressed you via mind mm-hmm. rather than just talking to you do you think that's like w- would that put you at ease if he says in no. your head i don't mean you any harm i'd be like get out of here use your voice like a real man and he, you said he crashed he didn't land no he landed oh he did land. he did not crash okay. he landed he got he got he went there purposely he was purposefully there in the cornfield yeah crop field yeah he tells them he wants to see the president and for some reason the cops were like Okay, get in the car. We'll we'll take you there. I, I feel like if that happened and I was in the cop situation, like someone flew in from the sky on a, in a flying saucer, obviously not an airplane or something or a helicopter, mm-hmm. I would probably listen to him too. Well, yes. Here's where I have a question that is never addressed. Since when can a local cop in a tiny town... Just radio the Pentagon and arrange like a spontaneous trip to meet the president. Now, if a cop from here, 
small town Minnesota, was to call up Washington, D.C. and be like, hey, uh, I've got an alien here. Um, he wants to see the president. We need to get you there, get him there now. Pentagon would be like, the fuck? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. That's I think so too. So my question is, did this alien have some sort of influence over the entire chain of people? Or that like got some him? sort of mind control, Jedi mind trick type. Right. Flurry. Or was the government like expecting him at some point? Like, this is the 1950s. I mean, we're already thinking back to Roswell. Aliens have already, like, technically, according to lore, made contact. I, I'm just thinking if they were expecting him, why did he drop his ship in the middle of a field? Well, maybe they weren't expecting him at that exact time, but they weren't surprised at his coming. You know? I, yeah, okay. I don't, I, there's this. There's no answer to this question. No, yeah, yeah, the yeah. point is, they get him in the back of the patrol car, they radio someone in Washington, they take him directly to the Pentagon. And when they get out of the car, they're immediately met by the Secretary of Defense and a staff of six men and one woman. They take him to the Air Force captain, who takes him through the security posts to a different captain. And there, they ask him for a passport entry papers, fingerprints, like anything. They were like, just give us some sort of identification. Like, who are you? What are you? Obviously, this guy has nothing. He's an alien. But he did, however, have a document explaining his mission from the High Council on the planet Venus. Our planet Venus. In our solar system, Venus. It was not written in English, but apparently they could understand it anyways. The captain apparently, at this point, after reading the document, downed two shots of bourbon and said, My God, why couldn't this have happened on my day off? For real. I feel him, yeah. (laughs) After this, six armed guards take him into an elevator that goes down, 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 all the way to the basement of the Pentagon. From there, they get to a mysterious underground train that connects the Pentagon to the Capitol. As far as we know, this train does not actually exist. But of all of the things in this story that aren't real, a train connecting the Pentagon to the Capitol seems moderately likely to me. Like, it would not seem... Yeah, they, they probably have... I mean, we already know that there are exits that are, you know, limited to higher-ups like the president yeah. from the White House and stuff. So. Right. So maybe there is some clandestine train system that we don't know about. Anyways, he gets on a train. He goes from the Pentagon to the Capitol. When they get there, he's taken straight to the Oval Office where the six armed guards plus six other officials and three Secret Service members are all there in the Oval Office to protect President Eisenhower. Okay. So according to the book Stranger at the Pentagon, the alien puts out his hand and is like, put her there, old boy. I hope not in those exact words. He didn't words. say those words, no. He held out his hand for handshake. And the ser- Secret Service men are like, oh, no. And they get all jumpy and they draw their guns because nobody touches the goddamn president of the United States. But Eisenhower is like, down, boys. And they put their guns away. And he goes up and he like gung-ho shakes hands with this quote-unquote alien, who, as far as he knows, is just a regular dude in a tunic. Is this, this, like, weird alien dick just, like, (laughs) there? (laughs) No. I do want to note that as I read this, it did not seem at all like Eisenhower was surprised or scared or confused in any ways. It was like he was expecting an alien at some point to show up in his office. He doesn't say that. It's not written anywhere. But at no point is it implied that he's shocked or in any way surprised that this is happening. Okay. Hmm. So he asks for the alien's name. And the alien replies, Valiant Thor. He claims to have come from the planet that our Bible calls the morning and the evening star. Eisenhower's like, you mean Venus? Like the planet Venus? Like in our solar system, like Venus? Prove it. And Valiant was like, what do you want for proof? 
And Eisenhower was like, I don't know. It's anything. So Valiant Thor was like, okay, come with me 20 minutes away. You'll find my ship in a cornfield and I'll take you in there. And then you'll probably be convinced that I am at least not of Earth. And the president was like, dude, I'm the president. I can't just like go with you to your ship. Like, what do you think this is? Anarchy? I got to stay here. I can't just like go to an alien's ship. What are you going to do when I get there? Sounds like a job for a vice president. Well, so as this is happening, Eisenhower's like, why don't you just hang out here? Tell us your story. Let us know what's up. But that at that point, Vice President Richard Nixon barges in and is like, hey, hey there. I don't know if we actually believe you at all. But we're double checking everything we say and do. And, you know, you've caused quite a stir around these parts. But imagine that in like a boring Richard Nixon kind of voice. <laughs> yes. Voice. But they do just they do make a point of noting that he's like excitable. You know, I'd be excited if I saw an alien. So I'll give that to Richard. I Nixon. think actually Nixon was known for that, like in non-public appearances to be like very gung ho about yeah. everything. Yeah, you might be right. I don't know. I don't know much about Nixon's personal life, but he made a point to tell Valiant Thor, I don't know if we believe you, but we've got the top of the top checking everything. So, you know, be on your guard. And they all chat a little bit more. They don't really say about what, but Valiant tells them that Earth has been under scrutiny ever since the 1945 atomic bomb blast. Mm hmm. The people of Venus have kind of been monitoring Earth over time. And that particular atomic bomb blast drew their attention. They saw that 80,000 people were killed. And at that point, a fleet of 100 ships have been circling the Earth ever since monitoring because they go into some detail, but it atomic weapons would cause a chain reaction that could destabilize the entire galaxy. So, like, basically, it's not just a threat to humanity. It's a threat to the universe if they continue to use atomic weapons. Hope you're listening to this, Putin. Yeah, now is a very good time to be <laughs> discussing this. So, after that, after noticing the bomb, the High Council, which seems to be like a federation of aliens that like looks out for the galaxy, sent Valiant Thor, who was a captain, they sent him to Earth to talk to military officials and get them to get rid of their nuclear weapons. So his mission essentially, disarm yourselves. Okay. So Valiant Thor, or Val, as he re is referred to basically throughout the rest of the book. I don't like that. He describes Earth as being the only place in the galaxy where people live above ground. Other planets in the solar system, including Venus, where he's from, all have underground civilizations to survive their planets in hospitable conditions. Okay. That, that's actually what was going to be like my first question. It's like, where do we assume he's from Venus? How does he survive on Venus? Yeah. They're all underground. He does. They don't go into like a list of which planets are inhabited but again that reminds me of Indrid Cold who took um I can't remember that guy's name but to Jupiter and said they had like an internal underground even though there's no like ground in Jupiter um yeah civilization I, I, that that part of that story was yes. where I was like okay that's not right possible. it's just it's interesting how they kind of line up with this one anyways after their talk the secret service takes Valiant Thor all the way back to that secret underground train, back to the Pentagon, and they're like, hey, here's a really nicely furnished apartment. Is this good enough for you? Like, will you stay here? Because Val's ship went back after him. He was on, he's on a mission to stay here and conduct talks. So he is now living in the Pentagon. Now, over time, he's in contact with Eisenhower and other government officials. And Eisenhower's like, look, I don't know if I can help you. I don't even know if I can tell anyone about your existence right. at all. Your very existence would pretty much completely disrupt everything we have going on here on Earth. 
Namely, Valiant Thor says, quote, The president stated that my offer to help the human family would upset the economy of the United States and plunge her into the abyss of chaos. So Valiant Thor makes it clear in his writings that the government solely declines his offers for help because of the economy <laughs> and power, essentially. Yeah. Which I'm, makes sense. I mean, like, I, honestly, it's not very surprising. No. But the, but the thing is, I agree that it would disrupt everyone's, you know, lives if yes. we found out that intelligent alien civilizations exist. Not so much the economy. Maybe that would be an after effect of that, you know, panic. But I feel like that shouldn't be the main worry. Because yeah, people I mean, rioted. It and certainly like that. would disrupt life as we know it. He and the president specifically just keep talking about the economy. I mean, the economy, I guess, technically <laughs> is woven into everything. So a riot would in fact affect the economy. I don't know. But Eisenhower's like, I don't. I don't know, dude. I'll see what I can do. But in the meantime, Valiant tells Earth scientists in the government about space travel. He helps with medical advancements and a bunch of other cool shit. And in fact, he had a very strictly outlined mission from the High Council. His instructions were specifically sixfold. One, mingle with and become as Earth people. Two, work and labor in Earth Enterprises. Three, help those who encounter possible threat or danger while striving for world peace. Four, give advice and guidance. Five, entrust with superior knowledge those who have proven themselves. Six, divulge the essence of our mission to the collective national leaders of Earth only when the time is right. And that's underlined in his mission. Only when the time is right. Right. Yes. He does not go into detail about can you, can that. Can you read that last line again? Divulge the essence of our mission to the collective national leaders of Earth only when the time is right. So he divulged his mission to Eisenhower immediately. On the surface, yes. There oh. is more to it. Okay. than just disarming nuclear weapons. Sure. Okay. Well, before you go any further, though, my and that the, the reason I wanted you to say that line again is because that was a question I've had. Why isn't he in touch with Russia or China or Great Britain or France, you know, all these other powers across the world? I will tell you that is not specifically outlined in the book, but I believe that in his opening valiant thor says something like they wanted to talk to the highest of the high people one person the president of the united states who at the time yes was i uh, the leader of the free world probably the most powerful man in the world because the way i'm just picturing this story how it should have gone is sure talk with the american president but if at least part of your mission is to you know disarm nuclear weapons right then go to Russia. Though, because to be fair, I don't know that. I mean, he doesn't know about all the political shit on Earth. He just knows that atomic weapons okay. are a thing. How he found out that the United States was a world power, I don't know. And how he knew to land in a field 20 minutes away from D.C. Yes, I that is not gone into. It must be too, too complex highbrow. for our feeble Earth minds. Mm. He claims that all of his efforts to help get rid of sickness and disease on Earth were rebutted by the people of Earth, the scientists and the doctors and stuff. Politicians, doctors, religious leaders were all afraid of upsetting the political and economic structure of Earth. Mm, even back then, the insurance companies had their little fingers all up in everything. I mean, money's money, man. He discredits pretty much everybody as being filled with self-ambition and not caring about the needs of their fellow man. I, Honestly, if you're going to be, if the only people you're connecting with are people in government, yes, that's what you're going to walk I, away honestly, with. Honestly, in any form of power, yes, I agree. Now we should talk about the book that this all came from. This story, as I said at the beginning, was confirmed by multiple people, but it's really only written down in the book Stranger at the Pentagon by a man named Dr. Stranges. Dr. Stranges 
was a UFO expert, private investigator, and, this is important, evangelical Christian minister. Hmm. Ufologist. Yeah, how can you be both? Event- yes, it's very interesting. So he had this idea that angels were actually aliens. And it, like, folds into his Christian beliefs. It's super interesting. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily discount it right away. I mean, I wouldn't discount anyone's faith in anything, really, as long as it, you know, can't be disproven. I was just thinking this whole time, what if Valiant Thor is Thor? I mean. And, like, you know, all of the gods just live on Venus. I don't know. Anything is possible. I don't know. So, I looked into Dr. Strange's, at least as best as I could. I have no idea what his actual job was or how he came to be a part of this story at all. One place I looked said that he was a federal marshal and a chaplain who happened to have top secret security clearance at the Pentagon. That's the closest I could get for him being involved in the Pentagon or government at all. But either way, he was a big UFOlogist at the time, and he lectured around the country about UFOs, space, how it intermingles with Christianity, the works. He claims to have met Valiant Thor many times, and he wrote this book about the experience. He met Val in 1959 when he was presenting lectures at churches around Washington, D.C. When Strangest was. Yes. Sorry, I'm sorry. Strangest was lecturing around Washington, D.C. And a lady who worked with Valiant Thor at the Pentagon went up to him after one of his lectures and was like, how do you feel about meeting a real alien? And he was like, um, hell yeah. Sign me up. I mentioned earlier, there are actual physical verified pictures of Valiant Thor that exist. These pictures were taken by a former U.S. Air Force photographer when Val and a couple of other cronies from Venus, he was not the only one that came to Earth. There were approximately 70 Venusians, Venetians, Venusites, people from Venus, sure. Venuses around, around the globe. And I will talk about that. In a little bit. But he was not the only one, and the government knew it. There were other others. Okay. So he and a couple other Venusers went to this, like, backyard UFO convention in New Jersey at some point in, like, 1957, 1958. At this convention, Val and some of his other Venus people, they're kind of showing off. And they talk about space travel and they're like, someone will be like, hey, speak Chinese and they'll speak perfect Chinese. And then they'll be like, hey, speak Italian and they'll speak perfect Italian. Like they're just showing off their How, how would they skills. know that though? Know what? How to speak earth languages. I don't, we're talking about aliens. How do they know anything? I guess. Okay. <laughs> so at this backyard UFO convention, this photographer, August Roberts, got these pictures and got them developed, and he took them to his friend, Dr. Stranges, who he knew because of, like, UFO circles. Right. And Dr. Stranges, I'm going to call him Frank from now on because Dr. Stranges is a mouthful. And his name was Dr. Mar- Frank Marvel Stranges. character, too. Yeah. Not, well, sort of. So Frank was using these pictures in his presentations. He didn't know much about them, but he was kind of using them to back up his idea of aliens being angels. You know, he was kind of using it to back up his, like, Christian worldview of UFOs and how, like, aliens can come to Earth, that sort of thing. So he was using them in his presentations, but again, he didn't know anything other than what August Roberts had told him about these pictures. So after this certain convention that he's talking at, Nancy Warren who was working with Val at the Pentagon, was like, hey, I see you have pictures of Valiant Thor. Do you want to just, like, you want to meet him? And Frank was like, um, fuck yeah. That's not even a question. So the next morning, she picks him up, and they drive to the Pentagon. 
And apparently when he got there, security was not an issue. He says that security didn't stop them, didn't question them. They apparently, quote unquote, visualized a badge on his lapel that didn't exist. So like he was just able to walk straight through security. Nancy plops him in front of an unmarked door. And when he opens it, there's three dudes in there already. And those guys don't even acknowledge that he's there. It's like they can't even see him. Apparently, Valiant Thor clouded their minds so that they would be unaware of Dr. Strange's presence because he wanted to meet in private. So it's kind of sketch. I mean, he's got witnesses to this meeting, but like not really because nobody remembers him being there. But Valiant Thor walks in just looking like a regular dude. And he's like, hey, Frank, what's up? And shook his hand. Frank describes his hand as feeling soft like a baby, but strong like a man's. So I guess. Baby man. Yeah. And I guess Val uses lotion or something. Are you following the story so far? Yeah. Okay. There's a lot to it. Here's where things get weird. Valiant Thor tells Frank that his actual purpose in coming to Earth is to return mankind to the Lord. Oh, no. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Christianity. These seem to be the universal religious concepts of the galaxy. So Val claims that there are currently 77 people from Venus on Earth making attempts to save mankind. During that first meeting, he told Frank things about himself that even he didn't know. And he had to, like, go home to his family and verify that they were true. These facts. He won't tell us what they were. It must have been very private information. But he says, Val told me things about myself I didn't even know. That's just code for they did it. (laughs) He could have. I don't know. But apparently during this discussion, they talk about God a lot. There's no Bible on Venus. But that's apparently because they don't need one. The they, have a personal, they have a personal <laughs> connection with God or something. Oh, okay. Within the government, the existence of Val was pretty much kept a secret. And his mission from the High Council was that he officially needed to leave Earth in March of 1960. So that's when he left and he promised that others would be around to help out Earth after him. But like his official mission ends in March of 1960. In his final meeting with Eisenhower, it was said that Eisenhower wanted to go public and tell the world that aliens exist. But Nixon and the rest of his council pretty much were like, you can't do that. That's not going to happen. We won't let that happen. Veto. And they said, again, pretty much the world will get thrown into chaos and people will start following Val instead of you. Is that what you want? Val was like, whatever, your choice. He pieces out back to his ship. He dematerializes from the Pentagon. He rematerializes back in Alexandria, Virginia, where his ship came back, was waiting for him. Okay, wait. I was going to ask that, too. So his ship did go. His ship did go, yes. And then it came back for him when he was ready to leave. Yes, because they were aware he was on a three-year mission. Okay. So basically just dropped him off and left, as far as I understand. Okay. At his meeting with Dr. Stranges, he kind of recruits him to continue his mission here on Earth, right? Like, spread the word that angels are actually aliens. God hasn't given up on Earth. And in return, I will keep in contact with you and I'll help you out with the mission. But, like, I need you to to continue my work on Earth. And give me some space. I've had enough of our relationship. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be back later. After his initial meeting with Val, Dr. Stranges leaves, and a little while later, the FBI comes to him and interrogated him for three hours about what he was meeting at the Pentagon about. The FBI does not trust the Pentagon, the CIA. They're different organizations. So the FBI somehow became aware that he was taken for a top-secret mission at the Pentagon. They interrogate him for hours. They make him take a polygraph. They don't get any information out of him. 
and they let him go. I don't know what kind of information they're looking for. Um, I, they must have had some idea that there was some shit going down at the Pentagon and they wanted to get in on it. I don't know. Yeah, they probably were just kept in the dark about the existence of this alien there in, at all. And they were just trying to figure out what was going on. Right. So apparent, according to Dr. Strange's, they didn't get anything out of him. Now, he goes back home and tells his family this whole story. Because his mission is now to spread the good news of mm-hmm. aliens on Earth. And his family was like, whatever, dude, fuck off with that shit. That never happened. Go write your fan fiction somewhere else. Right. Until one year later. One year after this meeting. He's driving around California. And <laughs> Val just appears in the backseat of his car while he's driving. And this happens a few times over the years. Val just like shows up. He's just like, he'll be crossing the street. Booty call. Yeah, it's just, he'll be crossing the street as as Frank's driving somewhere. Or he'll like, you know, come out of the grocery store and Val will just be there next to his car. It's Some just weird clandestine meetings. material. Yes. So they talk about how Val and other people from Venus are creating communication bases in certain cities around the world. With, quote, individuals of high character and commitment. Whatever that means. Whoever it was, it's not Putin or Russia. Because <laughs> they're not character, high character. Apparently not. They're not Christian enough. I guess. So these communication bases are apparently in certain people's private residences. And they're given holographic communicators. Um, Dr. Stranges is taken to one of these residences and he sees for his own eyes all of this alien equipment at a base in Los Angeles. Um, They also have other equipment that can communicate with ships that are constantly orbiting around Earth. So Val may have officially left, but like the mission's not over and he wasn't the only one involved. They're still on Earth. Okay. So in the book... Dr. Strange is talking about religious discussions he's had with Valiant Thor, but one that really stands out in the book is his unknowing meetup with the men in black. Because, of course, the men in black are going to show up to this story. So Dr. Stranges has never made it a secret that he's met Valiant Thor. Again, his mission is to tell people what's up. Right. Even in the 60s, he was writing books about his experiences with Valiant Thor. Stranger at the Pentagon is not his only book. He's got plenty. Sure. At one point, he was on a European tour giving talks about his books and experiences. And one day he's in West Germany. I believe this was in 1967. So Val has officially left Earth. But again, he's still clearly in contact. At one point during this trip, Dr. Strangest gets a call to be interviewed by two men for an Italian magazine. So he meets with them for lunch at a restaurant and he orders some tomato soup. As he's eating, they're asking him very detailed questions about Valiant Thor. But at some point they start asking unnecessarily detailed questions. And issue size and I don't he doesn't specify, but he's like they're getting really intense about it. It's not just like curiosity for a magazine article. They're like, where is he? Where is he now? When's he coming back? Yeah, when's he coming back? Where is he right now? Where is he? Where is he? Do you know where he is? Where is he? And the thing is, Dr. Strangers is like giving him as much information as he has. I mean, like he doesn't know. Val doesn't just like tell him where he's going. He just like appears and disappears. So he keeps saying, I don't know. I don't know where he is right now. I have no idea. I don't know. Halfway through this interview, a waiter comes up to him and taps him on the shoulder and is like, hey, sorry, dude, you have a phone call. Um, Somebody's looking for you. So he gets up to answer it. And it was just a normal phone call. It was a guy who was helping him out with this Europe tour asking when they'd arrive at the next place. So it was. Sure. It wasn't a weird phone call. So he gets back to the table and both of the men are gone. In fact, everything on the table is gone. Everything except for his bowl of soup and the spoon. But like all of the other silverware, all of the dishes, the dudes, anything the guys brought with them, the tablecloth. It's an empty table except for the soup and the spoon. Now this idiot 
instead of being like, what the fuck? Eats the soup. Yeah. He yeah. sits down. He's like, I guess I'll just finish this soup. And as soon as he takes a bite, he says it tastes really gritty and it burns when he swallows. <laughs> and he chugs a glass of water, stumbles around until he finds his interpreter. I guess he was around with an interpreter, which makes sense because right, he's right. an American who probably doesn't speak German. And um, the interpreter takes him back to the hotel. They like book it back to the hotel. At this point, he's bleeding from the mouth. And it's like spilling down onto his shirt. They get to the hotel room and the interpreter runs to his bag, grabs a packet of some mysterious powder, pours it into water and just says, drink this. Drink this now. Drink it. And when Dr. Strange is asked what it was, his interpreter was like, I don't know. They just told me to have this powder on me when we go on this trip. And he doesn't say who told him that. He just said, like, they said I had to have this. So I've been carrying it with me this whole time. Dr. Strange drinks it, and he immediately passes out. He wakes up, I believe, like, I, don't, I can't tell if it's like a few days later, a few hours later. It's quite a while later, and like, boom, as soon as he wakes up, Val calls his hotel phone and says, what the fuck, dude? Like, I warned you to be careful who you talk to. Why are you just talking to see some random Italians? Wait, when did he warn him that? I don't know. He doesn't even say in the book. I. It seems like I'm jumping around a lot, but that's what this book is like. That's how all these books are. Really yes. Know. But like, so that's stupid because he was told he has to spread the message. Yes. Except not to certain people. Apparently. But he tells Dr. Strange's, hey, those guys were men in black. Don't trust them. Some people have evil hearts, and those are those people. Are, and I thought the men in black were just government agents no. that knew of the existence of aliens. So we're to assume that they're like mythological beings. So that's my or problem. Like, that's like the next paragraph I have written here in my notes is just me rambling about like, what the fuck does this mean? Because I've always believed that the men in black had one goal. And that is to keep the existence of aliens a secret, right? Right. And like hide evidence. But it's that. also implied that they work for the government. Right. Most times. Right. So the government, as we as far as we know, is already aware that Dr. Strange's knows about Valiant Thor. So why would you send men in black to cover it up? Right. If they were involved in the government. It sounded like an assassination attempt. Right. So apparently my thoughts of them being some like secret government organization is wrong. According to Valiant Thor, not all space beings are godly beings. At the beginning of time, when Lucifer was cast out of heaven, he was still permitted to travel through a small corridor up to heaven so that he could, like, occasionally talk with God. Okay. Some other, like, beings from down there can access this corridor and pop out on Earth. And these are dark forces, the angels of Lucifer. So basically, he's implying that the men in black are demons. And that they are there to figure out where Valiant Thor is and stop him from spreading the message. And, you know, murder all of his cronies or whatever. Right. It's okay. So they're not aliens. They're, they're not a government conspiracy. They're demons. I wonder so, if Will Smith knew that. Yeah, I know. New. You learn something new every day. So the day after this Men in Black fiasco slash almost dying, Dr. Stranges calls that Italian magazine and is like, hey, I want to talk to you about those two guys who ought to interview me. And of course, the magazine was like, what guys? Mm-hmm. He Who had, was phone? Exactly. He had other run-ins with the men in black over time. Um, apparently, they are just fucking dead set on killing him. In one instance, they cause him to get into a car crash where he breaks his neck and becomes paralyzed from the neck down. But Valiant Thor heals him completely, baffling all doctors and his wife, who was also in the car crash. And then there's another story where they, like, take him out to the desert and beat him up or whatever. But he's rescued by Valiant Thor's brother. What's his brother's name? I don't. I have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> so here's another crazy tale he tells about Valiant Thor. 
He witnessed the assassination of Robert Kennedy in real time with Val on Val's ship. Okay. He claims that the authorities involved in the investigation of the assassination of Robert Kennedy know a lot more than they are telling the press, which is probably true just in general. (laughs) Crucial evidence has apparently gone missing. Now, here's what Dr. Strange's claims happened. On the morning of June 5th, 1968, Valiant Thor calls him out of the blue and is like, hey, meet me at the San Diego airport. Frank's like, whatever you say, dude, I'll be there. Bros for life. Yeah. So he does. He meets him at the San Diego airport and they drive from there down to the Mexican border into a little town called San Felipe. From there, they get onto a boat and drive to a UFO that was sitting on the water and it wasn't moving. Apparently, these UFOs are equipped with a beam that keeps the ship from moving even a single degree from its fixed position. He was very concerned in letting us know that the ship was not bobbing on the water at all. It was completely stationary. Okay. Anyways, they get to this UFO on the water. The doors open. Two people usher them in, and he had to get all naked and, like, purify himself under these special waterless showers, and they give him some white overalls, and, you know, they hang out, and they give him some food, Now, when he's on the ship, Val takes him to his room and says, hey, I just, I need to let you know, I met with Bobby Kennedy. He's kind of sus, dude. (laughs) He asked me what his chances for winning the presidency were. And I was like, look, four years from now, you've got a great chance. But do not run this year. Don't do it. But then Val takes Dr. Strange's to a viewing room where they watch the Kennedy assassination happen in real time. And some of them stand up and they're like, if only he'd listen to you, Val. So apparently they knew it was going to happen. Now, I have no idea what the fuck the point of that story is. It's because the Kennedys are Catholic, right? So they have to believe in, <laughs> even think of that. in Jesus and all that. I don't know. Why did he have to watch it on a spaceship? Like, what did it have to do with him at all? He needed an alibi because... He didn't want to be associated with his part in the assassination of Robert Kennedy. I don't know. But after this story, after watching the assassination, Val sits him down and tells him a bunch of stuff about how Jesus has given him a mission to, you know, spread the good news on the planet or whatever. Then he goes on, he talks about how cool the spaceship is and the bathrooms are weird and they just like crystallize your shit and pull it out of your body and then like clean you up. It's very weird. They describe the medical area, um, how ships are propelled. He goes into all of the science. It's pretty interesting if you want to know what actual really real for real spaceships are like. The end of the book has an epilogue written by Valiant Thor himself who outlines that his current mission is to command the starship that he's working on. Head the Venusian Council of Twelve, control certain outposts around Earth, oversee task forces used to contain radiation around our cities, make regular journeys to and from planets, conduct seminars on the starship for the indoctrination of those visiting from other star systems, monitor discussions and plans by world leaders, prevent atomic holocaust by exercising certain limits on certain human agencies, and work in full harmony with the Heavenly Creator. Which is a lot for one guy. Sounds like he's pretty high up. Yeah, yes, he is. He actually, according to Doctor Strange's, is like an extension of God. Like he's not a regular Venusian. So he's like, so for to assume they're angels, he's like one of the archangels. Yeah, or he's like kind of like Jesus, but not quite. I'm. It's it's a very strange. So he's the Holy Spirit. Kind of. Yes. Um. I don't, okay. Okay, but here's here's the thing. This all sounds fucking insane. I basically just gave you the rundown of the entire book. Right, yeah. There's, I mean, we're talking about a guy who makes his living writing about UFOs and Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a suspect. He's making money off of this whole story. Yeah, you gave him money twice. Yes. He made because, 9.99 off of me twice. Be, okay, and before you get further too, when 
earlier when you were explaining there's been pictures of Valiant Thor, mm-hmm. I, I Googled it to mm-hmm. just see pictures. And he does just look like a dude. Mm-hmm. But then there were other things that came up by this book on Amazon written by Valiant Thor. Yeah. So Valiant Thor has also written books. Yes, yeah, several. Yeah. Are we just supposed to assume that's not a pseudonym for Strangest? That- as far as we know, <laughs> it is truly him. And we don't know where, where does the money go because you still have to purchase these. I imagine it's got to go through strangers, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yes. I don't know. And the thing is, it's a mystery. Nobody knows where he is now. Stranger says that he will pop up from time to time. Stranger still alive? Um, he died in 2008. Okay, I don't feel bad talking too much shit. Then. <laughs> I mean, like obviously, I I think the story's bullshit. Well, but. okay, but here, yes, it sounds like absolute garbage. But the thing is, it's validated by dozens of other people, not necessarily Doctor Strange's specific story but the existence of valiant thor an alien on earth has been validated by harley bird who is the guy who worked on project blue book which was an actual ufo related project that was happening at the end of the 50s and dr bird has access to top secret documents that do mention valiant thor as having existed in the pentagon at this time Paul Hellyer, former Canadian Minister of National Defense, insists that there were face-to-face meetings between Canadian government officials and aliens, including Valiant Thor. So this isn't just the U.S. government. Well, then again, I think probably by the time Paul Hellyer confirmed this, he was no longer working for the Canadian government. Right. The thing is, if all of this was made up by Frank, the whole thing, why are there people confirming his story and people see ufos near nuclear storage and testing sites even today i'm just like adding to the mystique sure sure so dr strange's as i said died in 2008 but apparently valiant thor is still in contact with other people around the world i don't know how long these aliens live but he's also technically god so he might live forever well, as may, far as maybe technically god right. or an angel or something and he valiant thor wrote a foreword to a book that came out in 2016 so right yeah let me and i i know nothing about this book but this is the book that popped up mm-hmm. valiant thor's book of vril how to live long and prosper. <laughs> so yeah. so these seem like just, you know, health and mysticism type books. So I don't, I don't understand, like, who is getting the money. I don't know. I did not read any of his other works, but his message has always been the same. And that is get rid of nuclear weapons. Believe in God. Don't listen to politicians. They are not good for you. You want to hear some other books by Valiant Thor? I mean, sure. Why not? Uh, Outwitting Tomorrow, okay? I think it's just an anti-destruction sure. type book. All right. Uh, the New Health Magic. Oh. Secrets of the Inner Earth. Ooh, so there is that Hollow be, Earth yes. Oh, yes, they do bring up Hollow Earth Theory at some point in the book, but they don't really get into it. He just mentions it. Outfoxing Destiny. And yeah. My Friend from Beyond Earth by Dr. French, Frank Strangis with a forward by Valiant Thor. Yeah. They're the same person. That's my belief. Well, well, well but, except you said he is writing material still today. And Valiant and Thor is, yes. And, and there are people who have seen both of them in a room together. So, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, I think it's, it's an interesting mystery. I think a lot of it is bullshit, probably. But the parallels with Injured Cold are very interesting to me. They are. In the whole, like, weird kind of religious capacity. Because they're Christians on Lanulos, if I remember correctly, in the Injured Cold story. Um, He's a tan, tall, brown-haired, human-looking dude. (laughs) Just like Injured Cold was. I just, it's, those parallels are interesting to me, and they happen around the same I, time. I, I just, okay, I just want to, I don't know how much more material I have. That's regarding, it, that's okay. all I got. Here's, here's my stance on this story. I think this is a Scientology copy wannabe, because oh. it's the same type of thing, looking at this Amazon page for the author, Valiant Thor. There's tons of books by Valiant Thor, and they all have the same types of titles and message behind them and apparently the link or the religion behind this is called vril it just seems like it's something that 
he tried to do the same thing like with Dianetics that L. Ron Hubbard did. Why it's you like, gotta shit all over the mystery? I don't like this new age Christian bullshit. And I know earlier, <laughs> I know earlier in the episode, I said I'm not going to shit on anyone's faith or religion. But here's the thing: this is mixing old school religion with science in a way that negatively impacts people. At least with Scientology. I know nothing about this real thing, but I just get the vibe of that. Yeah. I'm just pissed off at Scientology. That's all I mean. In my studies, I in nothing came up about him forming his own religion. All I have, and the thing is, the only book that ever comes up when you actually look into his story, don't just like Google his name. If you're actually looking into the history sure, of it, sure. the only book that ever comes up is Stranger at the Pentagon, okay. which does not mention any of that stuff now i can definitely imagine capitalizing on it afterwards sure but if we're gonna take all of that bullshit out it's an interesting story and, and there's some question about whether or not like who is he if he's not from venus who is he and right, if he's not dr true. strange's himself and where did he go where is he now who's he still talking to yeah how do he pick people after frank died yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I just want to apologize. I wasn't trying to shit on Christians. <laughs> it was more so shitting on Scientology because I saw the connection, or at least my perceived connection. But yeah, do your own thing. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Anyways, that's Except Valiant Thor, and I'm going to be honest. That story was great. I don't care how much you shit on it at the end. It's a great story. 10 out of 10. Uh, it's very interesting to me that in a lot of these alien stories, like the these types of alien stories, um, they just look like people. Yeah. Like, That's why it's so fascinating to me. Um, you also didn't really bring this up, and I, I suppose this is a different theory or story altogether, but I heard a lot of people talking about this or writing about it online, how Eisenhower like struck a deal with some sort of yeah. alien organization to offer X amount of people every year Yes. For testing, and those are the people that are getting abducted in UFOs. Yeah, and it all started with Eisenhower, and that was brought up in a few articles and podcasts that I read. The reason I didn't bring it up was a I really wanted to tell Doctor Strange's story. Yeah, and the it's kind of unrelated. It's not. Yeah, it's not necessarily related. the The time I was going to bring that up was when I mentioned it did not seem as though Eisenhower was surprised at his existence at all, and that may be because he was already in contact with alien civilizations and had signed this treaty about abduction. But nothing in any of the stuff written by Valiant Thor or Doctor Strange's talks about abduction well right because testing. if i remember correctly the the treaty that was struck was with the greys and not with these venusians or venetians or whatever they're called yeah i i don't know it's clear though that um valiant thor says this as well there are multiple alien races are we to assume that the greys are also non-white demons they have darkness darkness in their me. hearts that Anyways, that's uh, that's Valiant Thor. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, on a different note, so I have a story to share. Unrelated, completely unrelated. All right, that's even better. You can't top Thor. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. It's like kind of dirty. <laughs> um, so this, I, I wanted to bring this story to everyone's attention because I don't think it's been getting enough press, and it has some vibes of Harambe. All right. R.I.P. Mother drops three-year-old child into bear enclosure. That's not good. So there is a video associated with this, and you can look it up if you want, obviously. But there's a horrifying video that shows the moment a mother drops her three-year-old daughter into a bear enclosure in a zoo in Uzbekistan. She has now been charged with attempted murder. So this was no accident. Oh, she burned. That's the worst. So there's footage that shows the mother dangling her child over the railings before dropping her down. I'm sorry, how old is this child? Three. Jesus, that and must have been an annoying According to the New York Post, horrified onlookers watched helplessly as the child landed in a trench about 16 feet below right into the den of a brown bear. Oh my God. And the bear, named Zuzu, circled the enclosure, and witnesses said that it went up to the girl and sniffed her, but fortunately decided to just walk away. So, in this story, unlike Harambe, the bear survived, 
the child was fine. The mother is likely going to prison. <laughs> so all is well is what you're trying to tell me. Yes. Now, if you're trying to murder your child, first off, there's no guarantee that bear's going to murder your child for you. No. Second, there are easier, more just accurate ways of murdering your child. <laughs> Casey Anthony got away with it. That's true. I guess. Dangling your kid into a bear enclosure in front of, I assume, at least dozens of people and, and cameras camera footage, yes. is not the way to go. Um, Don't so murder your children. She faces up to 15 years if convicted. And of course, if the daughter had died or been injured yes. significantly, that time would have been much longer, too. Jesus. Um, and the daughter was only hospitalized with cuts and uh, minor head injury, but she will be OK. Oh, my God. Um, so yeah, don't kill anyone. Don't yeah. kill anything. Be nice to animals as well. I just want to say, you know, let's pour one out for Harambe who died <laughs> needlessly. Yes, for Harambe. Was, Harambe wasn't going to do anything to that kid. I mean, agreed. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't murder anyone and keep an eye out for any potential humanoid aliens. Slash angels. Angels. Um, and if you want to send us anything, whether it be something you want us to read at the end of the show, like an article or a personal story, or if you have a topic request for an episode, you can also send it to us. You can send it to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or at NerdslothHQ. Or email us at podcasts at NerdSloth.com. We would love to read your stories. And we will catch you all next week. Yeah. And we love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.